While we still wait for things to transpire at the major league level, this may have been one of the biggest weeks, if not the biggest week, of the offseason for the Orioles at the minor league level, with the international signing period opening up and the O's opening the brand new academy in the Dominican Republic. We'll talk about how all those things impact the current and future state of the organization coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are taking a look at some of the news and notes for the Orioles this week, mostly focusing on the international signing period, which opened up on Monday, and the Orioles have a 19-player class. We'll go through who they brought in and uh, what that process is really like and what it means for the organization, and they also opened up a new academy in the Dominican Republic, where those 19 players and others will be training to start their professional base baseball careers, what this means for the future of the Orioles system, and finally, kind of the flip side of all this. As you bring in players in the minor league system, because of the new rules and less teams, you got to cut some players as well. We'll talk about the four minor leaguers the Orioles released last week and give an ode to their career in Baltimore's system. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. So let's jump into it here, some of the news and notes from the week here on a Wednesday evening episode. Let's start with the international signing period, which opened up once again as it has on January 15th. That was on Monday, and the Orioles, a 19-player class so far. Now, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the the big name players or at least big money players that the Orioles brought in, the 19 players, how it works, but also what this whole system really looks like. So, in general, this is the way that teams sign amateur players, generally teenagers, in countries outside of the U.S. and Canada. Now, this is dominated by players from the Dominican Republic. Probably second most are players from Venezuela. And then you'll see other South American, Latin American countries, sometimes Asian countries as well from time to time, uh, really in this period, which lasts for almost a year. But most of the signings come out on January 15th. And if you're wondering, well, if the signing period opens on January 15th, why does every single team, you know, announce a list of 15, 20, 25 players on that day? Well, it's because these deals are done a year, two years, three years, sometimes more in advance. And we'll get to that in a second. But the Orioles, 19 players brought in in their 2024 international class, are right around the same number that is generally brought in. They brought in two catchers, six outfielders, seven infielders, and four pitchers. Now, if your question is, Connor, the Orioles need more pitching than hitting in their system. Why did they bring in 15 position players and four pitchers? Well, this is how it really generally works across the board. More position players get signed or players get signed as position players than they do as pitchers in this period across every team. 
it is just a little easier to project guys for teams and feel a little safer about guys at 15, 16, 17 years old when they are position players rather than when you know they haven't developed fully. You don't really know what their velocity is at 16. You don't know what the pitch mix could be. There's a lot more questions for pitchers at this age, which is why you more generally see position players, and especially all the highest ranked guys are generally position players in this time. Now, the Orioles were basically here in the two most prominent countries. 13 of the 19 players they signed were out of the Dominican Republic, and the other six are from Venezuela. That is kind of how it goes across the board, although you will see a lot of other countries represented as well. The other one is you'll see some big money players from Cuba. The Orioles did that a few years ago when they brought in Cesar Prieto a little bit later in the game, but uh, no one from Cuba in this round for the Orioles. There are really two big names in this class for the O's, two players who got a little over or right around a million dollars in their bonuses and two players who have been ranked by multiple outlets in kind of their top whatever international prospects in this cycle. The first one is a 16-year-old shortstop named Emilio Sanchez out of the Dominican Republic. The Orioles gave him their highest bonus of this class, giving him $1.3 million. Now, that is not what you know, the Orioles record is each year since Mike Elias has taken over, the Orioles have set a new record for the largest bonus given to an international player. Last year, they gave $2.3 million to Luis Almeida. This year, the number goes back down. Orioles just didn't get some of that top, top talent, didn't pay for some of that top, top talent this year. But Sanchez leads the way. $1.3 million is the same bonus Samuel Basayo got, and we know how well that is working out so far for the Orioles. MLB.com ranks Sanchez as the 30th best prospect in this international class, and Fangraphs with Eric Loggenhagen had him up at number 21 in the class. As I've talked about, Fangraphs is kind of my go-to uh, with Prospects Live and Baseball America right there as well for looking at prospects. But Sanchez is a left-handed hitter, a really good defender at shortstop, and he's got a good bat right now. They're not sure about the power. You know, he's a little bit smaller at this point, but he's only 16 years old, and scouts think that the bat will project to have some power, have a hit tool and the defense will always be there kind of a, a high ceiling player who could or a high floor player who could have a really high ceiling and again these are all from reading scouting reports it is really tough to project what a guy at 16 years old at this point is going to be when he gets into the major leagues and the other big name was a 16 year old outfielder named steven martinez also out of the dominican republic orioles gave him a nine hundred fifty thousand dollar signing bonus now he was rated a little higher by mlb by mlb pipeline he was ranked number 28 making him the topper of this orioles class but fan graphs a little lower on martinez they had him at number 41 they had sanchez as number one in this o's class but martinez right-handed hitting outfielder who scouts think can stick in center field Big-time athlete, looks very athletic in the field, and has big-time raw power from the right side of the plate as well. And Martinez actually initially had kind of a handshake deal with the Yankees. That fell through. The Orioles swooped in, offered him almost a million dollars, and he will kind of help to headline this international class for the O's. Now, one of the big things to remember with these international classes is you're not going to see these guys for a long, long time. If you remember Samuel Basayo, $1.3 million in the 2021 class. At the end of 2023, Samuel Basayo got a cup of coffee in AA. And there is a good chance Basayo doesn't even play in the big leagues this year. Like, I would say the most likely big league date for Samuel Basayo is 2025. Remember, he was a January 2021 signing, and he is by far the best and fastest moving player the Orioles have really ever signed in this process. So if you're looking at top, top guys, if, you know, Sanchez or Martinez 
really move quickly through the system, it's like at best you see these players opening day of 2028, right? Maybe like end of season 2027, but probably major leaguers in 2028, best case scenario. So it's a while before you see these guys. They usually play a couple of years in the Dominican Summer League, then go to Sarasota, then finally make it to Delmarva and Aberdeen, and then you get to start really seeing only once they usually get into Delmarva or Aberdeen are they really going to be big-time prospects for the Orioles. And I get a lot of questions about the Orioles international signing because, as many of you may know, the Orioles did not participate in this process at all before Mike Elias took over this front office. The O's would sign a player from an Asian country or, you know, from outside the U.S. here and there, but they were not participating like they are now basically at all. And Dan Duquette had that famous quote. Now, he was talking about Shohei Otani when he said it back in 2017, but it pertained to all of this is that the Orioles philosophically just did not participate in international free agency, which is ludicrous because it's how a lot of teams, especially the Astros, have gotten better over the last few years. So the O's had a lot of time to catch up. Remember, when Elias came in in November of 2018, the Orioles did have a 2019, a 2019 signing class, but it was basically nothing. It was the you know the bottom of the barrel players that you know didn't have anywhere else to sign. These deals although they don't become official until now when the signing period opens, on average are made two years before these things happen. Like, for example, Emilio Sanchez, I'm sure the Orioles had a handshake agreement with him in 2022, maybe even in 2021, but it's not official until now. When he was 14 years old, the Orioles probably saw this guy and offered him around a million dollars to be an Oriole, and he accepted. So if you think about that, you come in November of 2018, any player who scouts think could be a big leaguer at any point, you're not getting anyone until at least the 2020 class. So the O's are basically out of it until then. And then because of the pandemic in 2020 and some of these deals are more like three years behind, really 2021 was the first time that the Orioles could do anything in these international classes. And they did a good job, right? Like they caught Samuel Basayo and he was just ranked the number 10 prospect in all of baseball. Like, that one worked out for the O's. That is the first class where the O's are really able to do something. And then they continue to give out more and more money over the next couple of classes, and now they continue to be players, not at the very top of the market, but among the guys who are ranked and are, you know, pointed out by some of the outlets that cover this international amateur free agency. So that's a good thing for the O's that they're back into this, but... Still, the entire process is is very sleazy, and I've talked about it a lot on this podcast when I go through these things. Like, you've got these players at 13 and 14 years old in the Dominican Republic, in Venezuela, in Panama, in Cuba, and they're working with these trainers, and teams come in and watch them play it. Again, 13, 14, like, yeah, they can look like good athletes, good baseball players. You have no idea what they're going to be when, you know, some of them, you won't see them in the big leagues for 10 years. You know, you have a handshake agreement with a kid at 13, you're hoping. He's on your big league roster at 23. That is 10 years from then. You don't know what this player, what this person is going to be in 10 years, especially, you know, it's a different when you know, maybe you're, you're 35, then you're to 45. Some people don't change too much. From 13 to 23, you change a lot in that time, which makes this on one hand a crapshoot, but on the other hand, kind of a sleazy process, right? 
they're giving out these large, you know, a million, two million dollars, and the trainers are taking some of the cut of this money. Not even all the money is going to the player and their families. And then they're making these handshake agreements, which to the players, to the families, to the trainers, it seems like a Major League Baseball scout just shook my hand and said, we're offering you a million dollars. Now we're going to make it official in two years, but you're with us. And that feels like it's concrete, but it's all under the table because under the MLB rules, you can't make it official. You can't sign anything until that period opens. So teams will just drop players. There is a pool of money that each team is allotted. It's seven, eight, nine million dollars. Right now, the Orioles still have two million dollars allotted in their pool. The reason why they do that is that they're looking for players who get passed by, who you know come through late. Some players who defect from Cuba late and become available, other players who get dropped by other teams, and because they have that extra money left over, they can scoop up some of these players as well and reap the rewards. But on the flip side, some of those players are dropped because, you know, say a team has $8 million to spend in their international bonus pool money. They promise, among all these handshake agreements, they might promise out $11 million over the course of the last three years, you know, making agreements with player after player after player. And when it gets to, you know, January 15th of 2024, they realize, hey, we're $3 million over. We got to drop, you know, four or five of these guys just to get back to our $8 million. And so in the last couple of days, they just drop those guys. Or the last couple of months, they just say, eh, no deal. And these players who have worked so hard, to help out themselves, help out their families, get to the U.S., get to Major League Baseball, are dependent on that deal sometimes. And then it can just get dropped at any time because it's all under the table. Now, some kids are lucky. It allows other teams like the Orioles, who have some extra money, to jump in and then still offer that player a million dollars and pick him up and and still let that player live out his dream and support his family and, and really become a good Major League Baseball player. But for other guys, they get dropped... Maybe it's a team on the margins, right? Maybe a team had $8 million and they realized, oh my goodness, we gave out $8.1 million. Let's find one player who we just took a lottery on. You know, he wasn't that great, but he could help fill out our system who we, you know, offered $150,000 to. Well, let's just drop him. That gets us under the $8 million and you're good. Maybe that player wasn't good enough where he's not getting picked up by another team and he had put all his eggs in this basket for two years and it's all gone. That is stuff that happens in this system. It's not okay. Major League Baseball is trying, I don't know if trying its best, but it is certainly trying to fix this system. An international draft is one way to do it, and it could fix certainly some things, right? Because it eliminates some of the, you know, back alley dealing, the under the table stuff, the two, three years in advance. But on the flip side, it's even more anti-player than this current stretch is. Because right now, although some of the wheelings and dealings are not official and guys are sleazy, at the very least, players right now have their pick of the litter. They can choose from any of the 30 teams. You know, it all depends on how many teams are going to offer them some money, but any of the 30 teams could offer them money and it can be a bidding war and they can sign them. In an international draft, you just go to the team that picks you. And it would probably work like the MLB draft does where each pick has a certain slot value. It starts at a high number and goes down and down with every pick. So if you get picked 20th, you're going to probably get a lower slot value than a top 20 player in the international class gets right now because you could be the 20th ranked player and get $2 million and the 10th ranked player gets $1.8 million just because that's how the pool's worked out for each team. But in a draft, it's going down, down, and down. The players are probably going to make less money in that stance. So no one really knows the right way to fix this. It needs to be fixed. 
But it's tough. I say all that, and then I also say it's good that the Orioles are now participating like this and are real competitors here because it is making their system better and it's making their team better, and you're not going to get right a, a top 100 prospect every single year out of this. But even if once every couple of years you're pulling a Samuel Basayo like the Orioles have done, it's making your team a whole lot better. And so it's it's a process I'm very conflicted on. But as an Orioles fan, someone who covers the team, I'm happy they are in this system. At the very least, they're playing the cards that they're dealt and are trying to make their team better. Now, one thing in the Dominican Republic that is going to help the Orioles system and the organization get better is the new Dominican Academy, which the Orioles opened up on Tuesday. And coming up next, we'll talk about how the O's got to this point and how this academy will help them moving forward. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, we're in it. We are into the NFL playoffs. We're past the wildcard weekend. It's the divisional round. And there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. And there's so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Ibotta. Now, the new year for many people means resolutions to save money. So stop shopping without getting anything in return. You can start getting cash back on every single purchase that you make with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $145 a year. Heck, that could cover the cost of an entire trip to the grocery store. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKEDONMLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code LOCKEDONMLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKEDONMLB. So we're back here on an Orioles News and Notes episode talking about a lot with international free agency. Orioles with a 19-player class in the international signing period. And all 19 of those players are going to be kind of the first incoming class to work out and play baseball at the Orioles' new Dominican Academy outside of Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. Orioles officially opening that academy on Tuesday. Something that's been in the works for over two years. The Orioles came up with the idea in 2021 and then broke ground on the academy. And it took a little bit, but they have built a beautiful facility in the Dominican Republic that opened on Tuesday. Now, this facility is not something new in Major League Baseball. Now, not every team has something like this in the Dominican, but a lot of teams do. And the Orioles, because they were so behind in the international signing period, right, didn't even participate until Mike Elias was hired in November of 2018, also didn't really have something like this. And other teams have it. This isn't something that's putting the Orioles over the top. This is more so evening the playing field for the O's, much like a lot of this international signing 
has done. Now, this facility will house about 100 players where they can live and train. Generally, it's going to be all the guys who are playing in the Dominican Summer League. So it's like three classes worth of international players, give or take, and then a few more guys in there that are on those DSL teams, guys that are working out as well. And it'll also be open to others in the organization, especially in the offseason. Uh, guys like Jorge Mateo, who's from the area, Felix Bautista, and others from the Dominican Republic. It'll be open to them to go down to the DR back in the offseason and work out at a beautiful Orioles facility as well. It upgrades a lot of housing, a lot of Dominican Summer League players. They were just put up in hotels for entire seasons. Now there is Orioles-sponsored housing for these players right at the academy where they can live and they can work there. And uh, it'll allow them to have the secure housing too and, and you know get more baseball in from the Orioles' side. The O's will have their coaches at the Dominican Summer League be down there, but also some of the coaches in the minors, their state side, will go back and forth from the academy too. It's got three baseball fields. It's got an agility field. It's got a weight room. It's got housing, batting cages, pitching tunnels, classrooms as well, where they will teach players things, uh, starting to help them with English as well. And, you know, with the Orioles still catching up in this entire system. This this is a big step. It was a big step when they announced it. It was a big step when they broke ground back in 2021, but it's even a bigger step that it's now open because these guys who just signed can immediately start working out here. And we're going to see it this summer, the first Dominican Summer League season here in 2024, where the Orioles have this facility. I think it's going to make things better. And you would think the development is going to go better now at the Dominican Summer League level for these guys who are 16, 17, 18 years old before they make the move up to the FCL in Sarasota and up to Delmarva and beyond in the Orioles minor league system. And again, this is not something new around baseball. Other teams have this. A lot of other teams have had something like this for years. The Orioles are just now catching up, but they now have, you know, something built in 2023 and 24 and state-of-the-art facilities. And this should be better for the players' lives, and it should be better for the Orioles organization as well. And this is something I've talked about a little bit on the podcast. And all the baseball parts of this are great. And this pertains to the minor leagues too. And, and a great part of the minor leaguers voting to unionize last year is that, you know, you think about how poorly teams have treated minor league players, not just in the Dominican, but in the States as well. How, you know, they're not guaranteeing them housing. They make them stay with host families or they put them in hotels and, you know, they're only feeding them after games. And, you know, they have to fend for themselves, eating a bunch of peanut butter and jellies for lunch. And a lot of those post-game spreads aren't that good either. Like I've been in minor league locker rooms and I've seen some things where it's like this is how you're treating the future of your organization. And teams, especially these days, are putting so much data, so much money, so much information to how can we get the most out of every single minor league player we have to turn them into a big leaguer and they can help our big league team. A big part of that is allowing them to get good sleep, allowing them good nutrition to eat well, having facilities for them to work out and get better when it's not just time to play minor league games. All of that should be roped in here. And something like this Dominican Academy helps with that. When players don't have to worry about their housing, they don't have to worry about the food, they can focus more on the baseball, they can get their sleep, it's going to make better players. And I've just never understood why teams didn't put two and two together. It's like, if we treat our minor leaguers better, they're going to have a better quality of life and they're going to do better at their job. Think about yourself. When you are happier at home, you are probably happier at work, I would think, right? You're probably a little more productive and better at your job when things are going well, when you're getting a good night's sleep, you're eating well, and you're feeling good. 
It's just that simple. It happens for baseball players too. They're not baseball robots. They're human beings. This should help moving in that direction as well. But as the O's build new things in this system in the Dominican, they bring in you know these 19 new players to the system. They continue to bring in talent. Unfortunately, with the cutting back of the minor leagues over the past few years, less teams, less levels, also you're allowed less players in total that you have in a minor league system, which means more and more as you bring in new players, you have to release old ones as well. And the Orioles did that last week as they released four minor leaguers who have been in their system for a few years or more. Coming up next to finish off the pod, we'll talk about those guys and kind of give an ode to them as they leave the O system and We hope they find success, baseball or not, afterwards as well. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, you've heard me talk about Jace Medical on this podcast, but Jace Medical, they are there for you when you need them people running out of medications, running out of antibiotics. That's where Jace Medical comes in with their product, the Jace Case, a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of illnesses. Just visit jacemedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. So to finish things up here on a Orioles news and notes episode on a Wednesday evening, going to get to a few released players, unfortunately, kind of the bad part of minor league baseball here when players do lose their jobs as well. But first, I wanted to tell you about something new that the Locked On Podcast Network has going on. You need a bigger sports fix? Well, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. You can find this show, Locked On Orioles, over there as well. But make sure first you are liking, commenting, and subscribing to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page and make sure to Give a rating and a review. Subscribe wherever you listen to the pod as well. And hey, tell your friends. We are less than a month from pitchers and catchers reporting. We got the news on Wednesday. Pitchers and catchers will report on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Their first workout will be February 15th. Everybody else will show up on February 20th in Sarasota. And then it is a go for the Orioles. But unfortunately, these four players I'm going to talk about next will not be in spring training with the O's. These four minor leaguers were released by the Orioles last week, and it's kind of the flip side of, you know, infusing your minor league system with so much talent. There are roster limits, unfortunately, in the minor leagues, and guys end up getting released. So I want to just go through these four names and and hope they can find another job in baseball if they would like to. The first one was the one that kind of hurt me the most, honestly, and that was Jacob Teeter, a 24-year-old left-handed hitting six-foot-six first baseman who the Orioles took in the 13th round of the 2021 draft out of Florida Southern, a kind of smaller school, smaller program that has a lot of success 
down in Florida. He was drafted as kind of an interesting skill set, an elite first baseman. I talked to his college coach after the draft who said, and it had been around baseball a long, long time, college coach was a former big leaguer, and said Jacob Teeter was the best defensive first baseman he had ever seen. That had me pretty excited. Also had big time on base skills, a great eye, hadn't tapped into as much power, but a big guy at six foot six. Orioles thought they could tap into that, but unfortunately, Injuries just hit him hard. You know, 2022 was his first full year in the minors. He missed most of that season with injury, came back in 2023, and was in Aberdeen and just in 230 plate appearances, just didn't hit well. 228 average, 94 WRC+. Now, he did get up to AA. The Orioles were kind of looking for a first baseman up there. So Teeter did go to AA Bowie. And the offense just wasn't there at all. Got 141 plate appearances with the Bay Sox, hit just 190 with a 45 WRC plus and with the injury issues as well. It just wasn't working out. Now, Teeter, in terms of people, I never got to interview him. He was a minor leaguer I really wanted to have on the podcast. Maybe Jacob Teeter, if you're out there, open invitation to come on the pod. Um, just from seeing his social media and hearing things about him, I'll just say he was seemed to be one of my favorite people. It seemed like in the Orioles organization and uh, sad to see him go. If he wants to continue that professional career, hope he can catch on with another team. Just seemed like genuinely a really, really good guy in the Orioles system. Next guy that was released was the guy out of everyone that had spent, I believe, the most time in the Orioles system. That was 25-year-old right-hander Jake Lyons, who the Orioles also released. He was a selection in the first Mike Elias draft, 22nd round selection in the 2019 draft out of Oklahoma State. The Orioles have taken a lot of players out of that area. Remember, that's where Jackson Holiday was going to go had he not come to the Orioles. And Lyons just, he never got to the upper minor leagues, despite the fact that he had some good stats, just never got over that hump to get to double A, essentially. He pitched most of the year in high A Aberdeen in 2023, had a 4.16 ERA in about 63 innings, 26% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate, not a bad season at all. But when you factor in that he's 25, you know, it's his fourth year in the minors and he's still in high A, you're expecting him to have some success. He got one little taste of double A. The Orioles called him up for like one emergency start in Bowie this year, but that was about it. And it was his lowest career walk rate. He always had high strikeout rates, but they were always in the lower levels. He was always older than the competition and just never made that next jump. Unfortunately for Jake Lyons, he gets released this offseason, hoping he uh, can find another home if he wants to continue that baseball career. Next one is probably, if you follow Orioles trades, the most notable name of the four, and that is 26-year-old left-handed pitcher Antonio Velez, who the Orioles acquired from the Marlins in the Tanner Scott and Cole Salser trade that the Orioles made with Miami shortly before the start of the 2022 season. Now, if you remember back then, Scott and Salser were coming off pretty good years in 2021 with a bad Orioles team, and the O's were able to flip them to the Marlins, and it was kind of an interesting trade package. It was Kevin Guerrero, like a 17-year-old outfielder. It was Antonio Velez, this kind of interesting pitching prospect, and then they got a draft pick in that trade. Now, that draft pick did turn into Judd Fabian, who got to double A with the O's last year. It looks like a pretty good center field prospect for Baltimore, but Fabian seems to think the, be the only thing they really got out of that trade, and technically, they didn't get Fabian. They just got a draft pick, and Mike Elias and his team used it on Fabian. Velez came over and just 
struggled with injuries and performance and just although he had some good numbers in the Marlins system it just never worked out in Baltimore he split the year between Bowie and Aberdeen in 2023 and had a 6.34 ERA and only about 33 innings he had more injuries he was in Bowie in 2022 had a 6 plus ERA and 11 starts there were just multiple injury issues it was just really never working out kind of an unsurprising release there but again hoping he does catch on with another organization and the last guy to get released is right-handed pitcher Cesar Alvarez who was actually I mentioned that Orioles first international signing class in 2019 when Mike Elias had been there for just a few months and they kind of weren't getting the best guys Cesar Alvarez was one of the guys from the 2019 international signing class Orioles signed him out of Venezuela that year he is now 21 years old but back then you know he's 16 17 years old and he was one of the more successful guys out of that class made it up to low a Delmarva in 2023 pitched 38 innings but had a 592 ERA and a lot of walks, a 13% walk rate. Alvarez kind of looked like a prospect at one point. In 2021, in the Dominican Summer League, which was his first full minor league season, he had fantastic pitching stats in the DSL, but then got injured, missed all of 2022, and he came back to Delmarva, which was a good sign in 23, but the walks were bad, and it seemed like whatever that injury was in 2022 really took its toll on Alvarez, and the Orioles did release him last week, and again, hoping he does find another home if he'd like to in minor league baseball and of course it's kind of the flip side of all this right you see this great system more players getting better and better guys dreams get get cut short it's unfortunate it's the business of the game but you you wish them all well as they leave the Orioles system but that'll do it for today's episode thank you so much for tuning in unless the O's make a big move we've got one more episode coming up this week it's another Orioles news and notes and it's got to do a little more with prospects it is prospect list week it seems already baseball prospectus and baseball America has come out with their list of no surprise Jackson Holiday is the number one prospect on both of those lists in all of baseball but there are some other interesting Orioles names who are shooting up prospect boards I mean What's new with that? We'll talk about that. Plus, a couple former Orioles pitchers in Joey Crable and Austin Voth finding some new homes, and the Orioles finalize their coaching staff. We'll get to all of that on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Every day.